the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Hey, Steve Teal with Very Bold Radio and Podcast. I'm really excited. We're talking to Justin Kendrick. He is the author of Bury Your Ordinary, Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Alive. I just read this book this week, just a couple days ago, and I told him off air, well, let me say hi to Justin so you don't think I'm just making this up before I talk for a bunch. Hey, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Man, thank you so much for making the time, and thank you for writing this book. I want to tell our listeners and our viewers just uh, what I told you off air. As I was reading this book, um, I've, I felt like I, I thought of Purpose Driven Life with Rick Warren and 25 or whatever years ago um, that that book uh, sort of impacted a nation and, and just kind of had staying power. As I was reading your book, Bury Your Ordinary, um, that's what I felt. I felt like, man, this book has the potential to be what purpose-driven life was for a generation. And I feel like for 2022 and 2023 and 2024, that your book that you've written um, really has the potential just to impact people's lives. And so I'm fired up about it. So um, I don't know what you say to that. I don't have a question to start off the show. Uh, I got some great quotes uh, from you. But, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for being faithful to God, calling you to write this book. And uh, I really love how you touch on these different habits. And I also just want to say this, Justin, and this is a little tease for people that may watch on Facebook. I loved your analogies and illustrations. So I'm going to give just a warning to people that are listening or watching and just say this. We may, I cannot promise this, but we may talk about some seemingly random things that are not random at all. So um, the marksman <laughs> for Facebook is putting up uh, a picture of room, um, an elevator, elevator buttons. We may talk about that. We may, this is going to seem so random, but toilet paper and toothbrush, we may talk about that. We may talk about some French fries, and the marksman has been just entertained this morning because there's a picture of cottage cheese <laughs> on there that maybe we'll talk about. You're very gifted um, with memorable analogies, and uh, so I've got some of those in front of me. And then I pray and hope, because I thought it was just one of the most mm, insightful illustrations, the, uh, the, the story of your son and the Legos. I just thought, yeah. wow, that just that just really touched me to the core. So um, maybe you just satisfy the marksman's curiosity. Do you remember? I don't know if you wrote this book 18 months ago and it's finally coming out or 24 months ago, but the cottage cheese. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about when I talk about of cottage course. cheese? All right. Let's hear it, Justin. <laughs> Tell us about that. 
No, of course I do. Yeah, that's uh, first of all, it's an honor. Thanks, Steve. I really do appreciate uh, talking with you today. And yeah, my prayer is that God uses this book to inspire, challenge, encourage people to follow Jesus more fervently and passionately, yes. and and really, hopefully, to bring us to a place of focus. I think a lot of us, mm. you know, especially over the last couple of years, have just we feel a little aimless. You know, feel a little bit like we're wandering. Yeah. And uh, I know for me, the habits I I outline in this book. Yeah. The whole idea is, hey, it's time to, to sort of put put to bed that ordinary way of living and step into something fresh, something, you mm. know, focused. And mm-hmm. so um, that is my passion. But, yeah, in the beginning of the book, I talk about what I call the ache to be great, right? Where, yeah. you know, the disciples are arguing in the in the New Testament about who's the greatest. Yeah. And, uh, and interestingly, Jesus, he redirects them, but he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't mm. say... It's wrong to want to be great. He says, the greatest among you are the servant of all. And so this idea that relationship with God really is greatness in life, that to know Him, to walk with Him, to be close to Him, that's what it means to be great. It's not about, you know, how many uh, zeros are in my bank account or how many people know my name. It's about, am I known by the Lord? You know, and so uh, this idea of greatness and an ache to be great, and I use the illustration that um, originated with a book called Good to Great, right, yeah. that I know a lot of people have read a leadership book, but it talks about this idea of how uh, certain Olympians, passionate, uh, you know, athletes have taken their discipline to an extreme, right? Yeah. And I tell the story about how one one athlete rinses his cottage cheese just to get <laughs> a little extra uh, bit of fat off of it that yeah. he could rinse it. And there is this, this focus that we see in Olympic athletes, what we see in professional athletes, and then, you know, Christians, we have this yeah. analogy in First Corinthians, right, where in chapter 9, the mm. Apostle Paul says, you know, I'm not going to be aimless. I'm not going to just beat the air. I'm actually going to be like that type of an Olympic athlete, focused and fervent. And he even says in that text, so that I might not be disqualified. Ooh. And it's just a powerful idea that that there's something on the line here. Ooh, and we can talk about that as much good. as we want, but... but this life matters, and yeah. my approach to my spiritual life has huge implications, not just in this life, but in the next life. And so if an athlete can do it for a gold medal, how much more should people who believe in eternity do it in this life? So that's the idea behind the cottage cheese. Yeah, that's great. And man, I love the gift that God has given you for words. And when you say things, I'm going to get like hung up on one or two things in a good way. (laughs) I really like how you notice in that story of greatness that Jesus redirected them. I mean, I I just hadn't quite thought of it in that way instead of rebuking, redirecting. So I got caught up on that for a second. I was like, man, that is so good. Uh, Well, talk to us about, you said we could talk more about that implication even of that I would not be disqualified. What Speak yeah. to that. What does that mean, Justin? Yeah. yeah, you know, you read the text, right? And it's it's sobering because Paul is saying, like, he's saying, listen, um, you know, all the runners run, but not yeah. everybody gets a prize, yeah. right? Run in such a way that you'll win. And then he uses the illustration of an athlete. Yeah. And then he ends it with, you know, I beat my body. I make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I may not be disqualified. And I think for most Christians, that's like, whoa, is Paul afraid of hell? You know, like, what is his salvation on the line? And and he goes on in the next chapter to talk about this idea of the Israelites as a picture Mm. of the Christian walk, right? And he says, 
that they all drank from the rock, which is Christ, and they mm. all walked through the wilderness and were baptized mm. when they went yeah. uh, through the Red Sea and all these things. But anyways, the point is, he's not saying that they weren't true believers. He was saying that they were true believers who never reached the promised land. Yeah. And I think that wow. the, sobering, the sobering picture for Christians is that you can live a Christian life and miss out on God's best. Yeah. And so God has for you gifts and opportunities and power and healing mm. and life, but most Christians die in the wilderness and never experience that type of life. And so Man. Paul says that the difference between the two are some were focused and some were aimless. And so when you're focused, mm. it provides opportunity to see those supernatural blessings. And so that's the whole idea behind the book is that yeah. it is going to require that we refocus. Yeah. And it's not as impossible as one might think. And I try to break it down into specific, helpful habits. Yeah, and those those are really helpful. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of those um, for sure. And I I want to before you get into that, Justin, and I, I want to re- tell my people because I'm just excited. So I haven't even told you that Justin Kendrick is also the lead pastor of Vox Church, uh, mm-hmm. founded just a little bit over ten years ago, and right, um, right on the doorstep it says on your book of Yale. And that's grown yeah. to multiple locations. You guys are doing something that is really hard to do in the northeast part of the USA, um, grow any church, and you guys are doing it, which is pretty <laughs> phenomenal, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. It's a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, just this past weekend, we just, um, we just baptized 88 people on Sunday. Stop and, it. Uh, we see hundreds baptized every year. And, um, you know— in in the Northeast, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago in Arizona, and you know we want to see people meet Jesus everywhere. But th- right. this particular conference, they were they were praying for the forty eight percent of people in their county that don't regularly attend church, and I almost <laughs> fell off my chair because I, I looked at my wife and I said, "Babe, that's ninety eight percent in our hometown, ninety eight percent in New Haven, Connecticut, where I live, do not participate in any type of church on a regular basis." You, you've so, got to be kidding um, me. 98%. So, so you're praying a miracle to get up to 48%. My gosh. Um, that's right. Yeah. So it just shook me that like we are in, you wow. know, the Barna Group tells us yeah. uh, every year that we're in the least churched region of the United States. Yeah. And um, and we understand that. But for us, uh, every day, we are seeing miracles of people meeting Christ, the church rapidly expanding. Yeah. And uh, it's a joy. It's a real joy. Yeah. When you said 88 people were baptized. I did get some Holy Spirit just chills right right then, right, just like a zap. Like, yeah. that is incredible. Praise God for the work um, that he is doing through you all. And that that's just incredible to me um, and really encourages my heart that God is doing something in the Northeast. And I, I had no idea. I mean, you, you just hear of how spiritually— um, unreceptive, I don't want to say dead, but right. dead, right. Uh, yeah. certain places yeah. in the country are, and you, you hear about the Northeast, and to hear that that's what God is doing uh, is just in, incredible to me. So we could talk about that. We could talk about a lot of things. Um, that, that's amazing. I know your book um, and the things that you're teaching have to be a part of those miracles, and I would love, obviously, the the biggest miracle is somebody 
saying yes to Jesus. Um, yeah. But I feel yeah. like the Holy Spirit has probably been at work in a lot of different ways. And I know from even your book, I thought it was really cool um, when you guys were praying about uh, theater um, that maybe God would yeah. have for you. And I remember, um, you remember that story and that, that to me I is do. a little bit of a miracle. Can you just share that real quick, even though I have like so many notes and things I want to talk about, but can yeah. you share that with us, Justin? Yeah, that was a wild ride. I mean, we're still yeah. living in that miracle. We still okay. meet in that theater. So, cool. um, you know, the short version is, uh, we really felt like when we started our church, we started in New Haven, Connecticut, and this is in the chapter about being led by the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so obviously we're just giving a little taste on this now. So I don't want sure. to have it misconstrued and out of place because sure. we talk about doctrine and about oh, yeah. being responsible. And it's not just about every little goosebump. But, you know, um, yeah. this story in particular is one of those miracle rides where I really felt like God was speaking to us about having authority, spiritually authority in the city. And so yeah. my wife and I bought a house on Earl Street. The name Earl means royalty. We oh, yeah. um, we found a school to meet at on Crown Street, cool. and uh, and so and so there was this strange theme of just yeah. you know, and then there was this abandoned theater called the Palace Theater. Oh my gosh! And, um, wow! And and really felt like I took my two sons like the second week of our church starting. You know, there's like sixty of us. You know, yeah. I took just me and my two boys over to the Palace Theater. It was all abandoned, and we just put our hands on the building mm. and we said, God we think that you want us to meet here. Here's this 1,600-seat, massive theater, condemned. And we just said, God, would you open the door? And uh, I forgot about it until a couple of years later, I was at a pastor's gathering, and uh, a guy started praying for me, another pastor. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And he just stopped in the middle of the prayer, and he said, "Um, have you been meeting in a school, but you've had your eyes on this theater? Wow. And I just like. He, boy, he had my attention now. And he yeah, said, yeah. I think God wants you to know he's going to give you the theater. And um, wow. anyways, fast wow. forward six months later, we were signing paperwork to meet every week in that theater. And it's one of our nine locations now. And um, we've been meeting there ever since. And just just the miracle hand of God to guide us, open yeah. doors, and do what we couldn't do. Right. I, I, and I love that. And I love just, you know, sometimes when God shows off and just does something, you know, just like, oh, wow. That's just God kind of showing off. And uh, no, yeah. the book, yeah. I don't want to mislead people either. The book is, man, <laughs> it's, uh, it is just solid. And the habits that you talk about and everything you touch upon is just solid. This is not just a story after story of look at what the Holy Spirit did. Uh, but I, I love it all. I mean, a good meal has it all. And um, I, I love that story. All right, I want to read a quote. It is probably... My my favorite quote, and you've got, like I said, you've got so much good stuff in there. Um, it's pretty amazing. But um, this one like stood out for me, and I'd love for you to talk about it. And yeah. I want to read it once all the way through and then just ask you to even like uh, focus on a, a little bit the kind of the meat of it. This is what you wrote. This is page 40. You can't work for acceptance because mm-hmm. if you do, you will never arrive You must work from the acceptance that God has given freely through Jesus leading to victory. Now, I know you said it a lot different from the pulpit and a lot better than I did, but what stood out to me is you can't work for acceptance. You must work from the acceptance that God has given. Please talk to us about that because I see people all over, not just in the Northeast, but in Texas, 
who get hung right. up on thinking they've got to work for God's acceptance. Talk to us about that, Justin. Right. The, the book begins with this idea of your desire for greatness, to do great things. But then the first thing that we all trip up on mm. is we immediately go to self-effort, personal works, self-justifying, right? We say, God, yeah. I'm going to be a better Christian. Yeah. I'm going to give more money now. I'm going to volunteer more time. I promise I'll never do that again. And and ultimately, what we're doing is we're trying to earn God's acceptance. In fact, that's really the foundation of all man-made religion is, yeah. you know, follow these 10 pillars, these five rules, these little commands, and then God will accept you, right? And right. The reason that human beings make religion that way is that there's something deeply, fundamentally broken in us that knows that we're not right with God. Scripture calls this sin, this propensity to walk away from God, to be distant from God, to want to be our own God. And the mystery of the gospel that is upside down and backwards and and, and honestly counterintuitive is that you can never work from or for acceptance. You'll never reach God through your good deeds, through your human effort. You'll always either, so whenever you pursue God through, hey, I'm going to be a better person, I promise. Whenever that's our mindset, we end up in two camps. Either one, we um, we become self-righteous, and we say, boy, look how holy yeah. I am. I'm better than that guy. Yeah. I'm better than this guy. I, I, and that self-righteousness actually separates us from God. Yeah. Or the other camp, which I think a lot of us land in, is guilt, where we say, I mm. know I'm a failure. I know I'm a loser. I know I'm a sinner. And we never f- experience freedom mm. from the habitual sinful practices that consume our life. And so, you know, when I try to work for acceptance, I find myself either self-righteous or self-condemned, but the gospel breaks in as news in our lives, that yeah. Christ came, lived the life I could not live, died as a substitute for my sins, rose mm. from the dead, offering me complete, permanent, eternal security with God, forgiveness of past, present, and future sins. That is scandalous, yeah. and that is inappropriate, and I it's exactly... It the kind of love that God has for his people. So when I receive that and I make my salvation 100% grace and 0% works, now I find the ability to do good works out of love rather than out of debt and guilt. And so it changes the fundamental motive of the heart. So now that I know I'm accepted, I can work from acceptance to go and love extravagantly. And so... This is the secret to spiritual growth, right? And most Christians that I've met, and me personally, we've lived most of our Christian life with this backwards in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it stunts all of our growth. And so even as I talk about habits later in the book, a lot of times we, we, we skip chapter two and we go, okay, okay, yeah, grace. Grace is great. Now what are the habits? No, 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 no. If you do the habits without understanding grace, then the habits become a law that make you a slave. Yeah. And again, you'll find yep. yourself feeling like I'm a failure of a Christian. I don't do Justin's habits good enough. And no, no, you've missed the whole point. The whole point is you're yeah. already loved. Yeah. You're already forgiven. Now from that acceptance, go and be who you're called to be. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. What do you think it is that makes it so hard for people um, to accept that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a tough answer that I had to personally come to after years of, of smashing my head up against grace. Yeah. And it was a surprise answer for me. I think that the number one reason 
we struggle to accept the kindness and forgiveness of God is pride. Mm. I think that I think that at my core. Mm. So as a earlier Christian, yeah. I I always felt like I hadn't confessed my sins good enough. Yeah. And so I would try to confess my sins, and then I'd be afraid I didn't confess a sin, and then and I so most of my Christian life, my first few years as a Christian, as a teenager, were were really consumed with a, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Yeah. And what I what what God eventually uncovered in my heart was that my need to accurately confess my sins was actually pride because I wanted mm. to contribute to my own salvation. Whoa. I I wanted to be my own savior. Yeah. And so and even my confession, like let me just yeah. let me let me be really good at confessing my sins and that <laughs> means that now I participated a little bit. And the the scandal of grace is that you don't just repent of your sin, you also repent of your righteousness, which in other words Ooh, you have to let dang. go of your own record that proves you're good enough before God. Yeah. And to fully let that go is to receive grace. And upon receiving grace, I now find power, power to live a resurrected life. Yeah. Dang, man. Stop saying so many great things. I'm <laughs> <laughs> scandalous and inappropriate. Wow. And that repent yeah. of your sin and your righteousness. Woo. Yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah. I, hadn't, I don't feel like I've looked at that second side of the coin, you know? Wow, that's strong. That is strong. Okay. All right. Um, Still some more things to talk about a lot. Uh, And we're not going to get to it all because, um, uh, and I just want to remind you, especially if you're listening on radio, Bury Your Ordinary is the book Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Alive, just talking about what we're talking about. Forget the safe, forget the board, forget the ordinary. No, you are made in this life for something more. And this book, Justin has done a great job of building in those habits that are going to help us to come alive and live a more dangerous faith um, that impacts people for all eternity. So I'm very excited about the book. Um, and if you're listening on radio or podcast or video, um, get a copy of your book today, Bury Your Ordinary. All right. Um, I'm going to ask a seemingly random question now. Yep. And it is, did you really in college have nine guys living in a two-bedroom <laughs> apartment? <laughs> is that true? So Steve, I, I actually... I actually wrote. Uh, I have a book coming out this year. Okay, good. Uh, called the Sacred Us. That oh. is all about community. Yeah, and I unpack that a little bit more because. Um, okay. Yes, I sure did, man. It was uh, it was wild times. Let me tell you. But we were trying to figure out how do we do New Testament Book of Acts type of community, and uh, wow, I got so many wild stories from those days. But yeah, oh, come on, you got to give us one. You got you got to give us one. One sneak peek into uh, one of those crazy stories. <laughs> what comes to your all mind? Right, all right. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, here's one. So okay. a lot of the guys were brand new Christians, right? Yeah. So they, we were all living together in this two bedroom apartment. I mean, it was gross. You know, it was like we were living on top of each other. It was, And they're all new believers. This one new guy, he was, he was coming out of a life of drugs and alcohol and um, he was just a brand new Christian. Yeah. And over a number of weeks, uh, things started disappearing. And, and we didn't know with nine guys, we didn't know what was going on. And oh, we're saying, no. Hey, you know what what's happening here so we'll call this guy joe that's not his real name right but, right um but but one day it was just me and joe in the house and uh 
I went in to take a shower, and right before I went into the shower, I just felt this little nudge from the Holy Spirit to yeah. look at my wallet. I opened up my wallet, it was on my dresser, and it had a $20 bill and two $10 bills. Yeah. And I said, okay, I just put it down. I got in the shower, forgot about it. I came out oh, of the shower, no. and I felt that little nudge again. Just go look at your wallet. Yeah. I looked, and it just had two $10 bills. Yeah. And, and I realized that it had to be Joe who had been stealing from us because it was just me and him in the house. Wow. And so I, I walked up to him, and I said, Joe, um, you took $20 out of my wallet. And he said, Justin, man, I would never do that. I'm a Christian now. Man, I would never steal. Wow. You know, I mean, this is Wild West, nine guys living together. <laughs> and I, and I, said, I said, Joe, I know you took $20. He said, I promise you I would never wow. do that. And I looked him dead in the eye. I'm 20 years old. This guy was like 26. Yeah. He was like six foot five, big oh, dude. Oh. And I just, I just looked at him. I said, Joe, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that you took $20 out of my wallet. I, he told me to check right before I got in the shower. And I said the whole thing to him. His face just went pale. Oh. And he said, he said, man, I'm so sorry. I'm, and he, he took out of the back pocket, handed me my 20 bucks. And he said, man, I'm so sorry. Oh, that was the type gosh. of like world. Like Jesus was working in crazy ways, yeah. But um, but we were figuring out how to do discipleship in a um, in a real life setting. That was that wow. was you know that was uh, first grade, second grade for me. It was one of the one of the first, first big lessons. <laughs> Man, I'm glad the Holy Spirit didn't go Ananias and Sapphira on that guy. That's a good thing. <laughs> Although I bet some of your roommates wish he had. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Did he uh, – I'm just curious. Did he recover from that or did, like, you guys say, hey, you got to leave? I mean, he broke community yeah. in such a bad way. He did. You know, we didn't kick him out. We said – you know, we said, listen, man, um, we are not comfortable with you being here when other people aren't. So we're just going to – we're yeah. going to need to just know your schedule and we'll, we're not going to kick you out. But – uh, but we're not comfortable with you being alone until you prove our trust. And within a week or two, he ended up deciding to leave, and he moved out. Okay. Um, and another guy moved in. Yeah. But uh, and he stayed in the church, and he stayed connected. Uh, but he wasn't ready for that level of responsibility and uh, accountability. I don't think. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to the sacred us too. But um, <laughs> man, Barry, your ordinary is so great. You got to read it first. Let me uh, let me ask you this. And this, I, I get to do Bible study with um, high school football coaches down here uh, Monday to Absolutely. Friday at, at uh, five different schools. And this morning, I was at uh, the one closest to where we live. I was at Canyon High School. And the coaches were talking about um, we're going through Revelation, uh, not the not the unveiling of the mysteries and everything, but we're going through the letters to the church churches. Yeah. And um, one of the things that came up was really they're feeling convicted um, to to witness and share their faith, but they were saying like, yes. but we feel like we're such you know we're so broken, we're sinners, we're sinning every day that we don't have any right. And so yep. I want you to talk. I believe this goes to the habit of radiance, yeah. I believe. And right. does that have to do with our little picture of toilet paper and toothbrush, or do I have it out of order now? I feel like uh, some of that <laughs> is about uh, the toilet paper and toothbrush. I don't know. Do you, re- do you remember the connection, or am I just making that up? <laughs> I might be. <laughs> uh, the toilet paper and toothbrush, i got to remember which one. Um, I think that, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I think it's also talking about the movie theater seats, and we're talking about um, comfort. I believe, yeah, and that's right. we're yes, talking about right. toilet paper was invented. 
Uh, That's right. I've got the two dates. One date is 1938 and one is 1857. And now I don't remember which one was <laughs> invented. The toothbrush which. is 38. Yeah, the toothbrushes, wow. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, in the 1920s, there's no toothbrushes. Yeah. That's crazy. Wild time. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 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 yeah but the idea behind that is, yeah, that we have become a society that's just comfort obsessed, right? Yeah. We love the idea of of, you know, every chair I'm in has to recline yeah. and every moment I'm at work, I need a cup of coffee in my hands. And, and you know, thank yeah. God for all the comforts we have, right. but it has led us in a search, you know, it, to, to develop an attitude that really says, I'm not going to talk to somebody about Jesus uh, and kind of ruffle all the feathers yeah. and create a disturbance. And so I do think a lot of Christians struggle with, with you know, what do I say? And yeah. Exactly what you said, Steve. Like, I'm not worthy mm-hmm. of of expressing Christ because I'm still in progress, as though mm-hmm. that will ever change. Right, right, so, right. Know, right. We're well, never well said. Be worthy enough. Right. That's um, true. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And I talk in the book. I talk about you know um, the sergeant, the salesman, and the sage. Right. Yes. These three pictures of of how we've expressed our faith in the past, you know, historically, and how it's not gone so well. So, you know, the sergeant is the guy that's like, you know, yes. you didn't repent your sins right now, you know, and yeah. kind of like a drill sergeant. Um, the salesman is like, you know, for four ninety nine, you can be a Christian <laughs> too. And it, it's just slimy, you know, right. it feels slimy. And then the sage is that person that like, they give wise advice, but they're not going to talk about Jesus, you know? Right. And, um, and I just, in, I just really unpack in that chapter, just how those are all failed uh, frames yeah. for how we can share about Jesus, and then really try to try to explain, you know, what does it look like to just be authentically yourself, be in progress, and honestly, I know for myself, um, yeah. exposing my brokenness is one of the most powerful ways to share Christ. In other mm. words, you know, you're a coach at a football uh, at a high school team, right? And right. one of the they may know you're a Christian. But then you mess up and you yell at somebody or you're disrespectful and you go back and you say, hey, I want you to know I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Uh, you know, that confession of your failure will yeah. be one of the most powerful witnesses of Christ because nobody does that. You know, right, nobody right. takes ownership and, and says they're sorry. So even in our fumbling and failures, a lot of times those are the most compelling witnesses uh, for Jesus when they're owned and when uh, we we approach others with them, um, that can be the, yeah. the catalyst to lead someone to Christ. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really good. All right. I want to take, um, that's really helpful. I'm going to share that with my coaches, and um, that's that's just really solid. All right. Of all the different things that we could talk about, and I've barely touched yeah. on this great book, Bury Your Ordinary, um, if you give us like five more minutes and you still get a little buffer before your next thing, um, do you yeah. mind sharing the uh, the story of your son with the uh, Lego plane? I, I again just thought it was really beautiful. Do you mind sharing, or we could just say, "Hey, sorry, suckers, you got to buy the book." Um, we can go one <laughs> of two ways right now, Justin. So it's up to you, man. Um, you know, let's uh, make him buy the book. No. <laughs> 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 There's a lot more than just that in the book, so they got to buy it anyway. It's excellent. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, no. Remind me of this one. What, what, tell me this which story one you're thinking is of. Um, the the son that I believe you have three sons, correct? 
I so, do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yep. So I think the youngest maybe um, got into the oldest. Oh yeah. Boys yep. room. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So he, you know, he uh, he had this tendency um, to. Uh, this is talking about money, right? And it's talking about this idea of ownership and that yeah. the frame in which we see life through is so important. And I think a lot of people. You know, they see life as a race where they're just competing with mm. people around them, right? Yeah. Um, others see life as a party where it's like, hey, how do I just get to the weekend and celebrate life? Yeah. And it's not that God doesn't want you to have fun or bless you, but the idea of life scripturally is that it's a stewardship, mm. that, that everything we have belongs to God. And that's a, that's a radical idea. Yeah. Everything we yeah. have belongs to God. I don't think most of us have really internalized that idea. But right. one of my sons, um, he's my younger, my younger son, he, uh, he loves building with Legos. And his older brothers, they've been collecting Legos forever. And so they have just like hundreds of piles of Legos all over the room. And what he would often do in this one time, he built this great plane. Mm. And he was so proud of it. And he was showing everybody and, and, uh, and, you know, um, one of my older sons looked at. Him, he said, "Hey, that's that's a cool plane." He said, "Where did you where did you get those Legos?" And he said, "Oh, I I uh, they're mine." And he said, "Well, well, what do you mean they're yours?" And he said, "Well, you know, I I got them. They're they're mine." He said, well, "Where did you get them?" He said, "Well, I took them from your room." And <laughs> yeah. and he said, and he said, "Wait a minute, but those are mine." And he said, "Well, no, well, they're mine now." And and my mm. older son said, "Listen, just because you have them now doesn't mean they belong to you." And and so it is with yeah. our breath and our yes. life and yeah. our talents and our time. Just because you're holding them now doesn't mean they belong to you. You didn't pay for that breath. You didn't pay for that pumping heart. You didn't, uh, you know, outline the amount of time that you have. All of that belongs to God. And so yeah. he's letting you use it right now, but ultimately— Life is a stewardship, and that change in our thinking yeah. uh, really does shift the way we look at all of our resources in life. Yeah, that is awesome. All right, uh, Justin, any anything else you just want to leave us with before um, I just remind people to get this book, Bury Your Ordinary? Anything else that God's putting on your heart right now? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that as a as a global community, we have all, over the last couple of years— uh, gotten spun around, flipped upside down, and all of life has been changed. I don't think any of our lives has not been dramatically impacted uh, right. by COVID and by all the challenges of the last two years. And so um, whether it's this book or whether it's something else, I think it's so important for followers of Jesus to focus on relationship with Him right mm. now yes. and to be intentional about that relationship. And so that's why I wrote this book because uh, my hope is that it helps people just have some handles for what to do to focus. Um, but we're, regardless of, you know, whether you read this book or not, I think that's such an important uh, shift that aimlessness mm-hmm. is going gonna, is gonna to lead us um, really into disaster. And so it's so important right now that we recenter on the only thing that's eternal in this life, and that's relationship with God. Yeah. Man, that's that's awesome. All right. Well, Justin may say any book, but we're focused today on Bury Your Ordinary and uh, really excellent book. Um, and you, you can read it. Yeah. Great job, Justin. You can read it. You can buy another copy. Give it to somebody. Sometimes that's a way to witness when you're not sh- sure how. You know, you just read yeah. a book and say, hey, you know, I read this book. I kind of like it. You, you might like it. And uh, that's kind of a come and see approach. And this is yep. full of gospel, 
full of gospel. Maybe you don't have the words. Maybe you don't have the ways that you can really say it or whatever, but you can get this book for somebody and just say, hey, take a look. I think you might like it. And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm telling you yep. on the slide, no, this book is great, and uh, they, they will like it. So um, you just present it to them. And we're going to leave unspoken, even though we've got little video graphics of delicious French fries, and we've got elevator <laughs> buttons. So you all do have to buy the book. you got to buy the book. There's a lot, lot more in there, and these habits um, and your approach to it of grace and making sure it's not doesn't just become another checklist of things that we're trying That's to right. earn and do is is great. So, um, hey, uh, where can people follow you or find you on social yep. media? Yep. BarrierOrdinary.com has a ton of free resources about cool. these habits mm. and small group studies. It's all free, mm. um, videos. Cool. So com is a great place. Okay. Foxchurch.org. We've got 10 years of content and sermons and blogs and all kinds of things there. And then search for me, Justin Kendrick, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever it might be. I'm trying okay. to stay uh, connected all those ways. Okay. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, stay stay on the line real quick, and we'll I'll talk to you just very briefly after I just sign off. But, man, just phenomenal stuff. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. The book is Bury Your Ordinary Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Alive. This is Justin Kendrick. He is... God is doing great things through him, through his family, through his team, through people in community um, up in the Northeast, just man, spreading God's word. Look at, look at what's happening. Look at what God is doing. This is, this is kind of tested and proven, this book. It's not just uh, a neat book of neat stories. This stuff is powerful. And so maybe if you're feeling bored or a little just, man, just safe, I'm just showing up on Sundays. I'm just kind of doing my stuff. No. Let's let's get this thing going. So go ahead and pick up your copy, and while you're at it, um, get a copy for somebody, and just wait until God says, "Hey, this is the person." Go ahead and just say, "Here's here's a book to try." Uh, Bury your ordinary, great stuff. Um, what we're talking about this this ties in just with our our name, Very Bold Radio and Podcast, and Very Bold Ministries is because. We want to consider the great hope, and I just go back to that quote. Just please hear it. You can't work for acceptance, because if you do, you'll never arrive. You must work from the acceptance that God has given freely through Jesus leading you to victory. Um, I just love that. And that when we walk in that and when we realize that, then we're just walking in the light of hope and love and joy and peace and all those things he wants to give to us for this hard life. And that makes a difference in this world. So the Apostle Paul wrote this, and uh, you can email me, by the way, steve at verybold.com. Or if you have questions or missed a part of the interview or anything, just reach out to me, steve at verybold.com. I want to make sure you hear it and you get this book. Uh, This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Therefore, since we have such a hope, and this is 2 Corinthians 3.12, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.